Good morning. I think I failed to introduce myself earlier. I'm Jason McHenry. I'm the student minister here at Christ Community Church. Pastor Keith is out and away uh, this morning, but it's a pleasure and it's an honor uh, to be before you. And we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning, and I know some of you are already going to check your watch and say, man, I hope this guy doesn't doesn't go long. But don't worry, I've got barbecue out there too, so I'm kind of ready to to get a hold of it, but uh, I do ask you that we're going to be moving fast, and we'll be moving like a mongoose jacked up on Red Bull, but I'm just going to ask you to pay attention, and uh, man, we're going to really, really get to what God has for us this morning. Uh, if you could please stand. We're going to stand for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to read our key verse this morning, which we find out of 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can direct your attention to the screen uh, as we read this verse. It just simply goes this, Beloved, that is us, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. To test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far you share Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And church, if we would just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, God, thank you for this opportunity just to be uh, before your people this morning. God, I pray that you would just push me aside. That God, the truth that is in your word, God, will uh, encourage, will convict. God, will teach, will instruct, will correct, Father. Lord, uh, that is our purpose this morning, to exalt you and bring you glory. God, you have a word this morning, God, and I pray that uh, we have many sages in the room, God, that they would, uh, with, with much wisdom, God, that they would not look upon a young man, but just a humble servant, God, whose purpose is to bring you glory. God, I pray that your word would go forth, God, that we would receive it. Give us ears to hear, God, and eyes to see. Father, we praise you, and we just thank you for this opportunity, God. We thank you that you're a God that redeems us from the flames, God, and refines us in the fire. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Quick question before we get started. How many uh, in this room have silver items in the room? You got something made out of silver in your house? All right, one. Thank you, Josh. Okay, hold on. We've got some more hands. All right, so we've got several people that have silver items in your room. Uh, or, or your room. In your, did I say room the first time? I actually said in that house. Okay, so if you've got silver items in your house, maybe a silver platter, it may be jewelry of some sort. We've got this kind of awesome thing here that we got when we got married. And um, so... Guys, I know that you probably have got tons of stuff around like this at your house. And you're probably like, what are we going to do with all this, this stuff? And um, you kind of want to throw it out. But if you really want to start a ruckus, then then go ahead and chunk it and see if it's not important to your wife. And I'm sure that you'll have to hear about that. But uh, what this is, is just a silver platter. Um, and you may have something inscribed on it very near and dear to your heart. Kind of like this one says. It just says, uh, to my wife, made in China. Um, so very important piece of equipment that we have here that's in our household. Um, chances are, if you've got something like this, it's used for a special purpose. You just don't throw it on the shelf and throw little knickknacks in it like pennies or keys or whatever else you got laying around your house. Or, uh, for us, I guess it would be Teddy Grahams and Oreo cookies and stuff like that. Chances are that this is, chances are that this is actually used for a purpose in your home. Um, that, that you use it on special occasions. Uh, you may like the artwork on this one. Uh, we've got some birds and some flowers, so that's kind of nice there. And what that does is really tell me that whoever crafted this really took some time in it, that they really kind of invested some of themselves in it and bears that silversmith's image. Um, and for those of you that have something nice of silver or, or jewelry, you didn't just throw it into the fire and then here it comes out like this, right? The silversmith had to take it and lovingly craft it in his hands. He kind of had to hammer it out. He had to bend it. Um, and, and, and the piece of work upon completion brings much glory and honor to the silversmith because it's something that he created. It's something that he invested time into. It's something that he worked with. Um, he didn't just throw it in the fire to be destroyed. Instead, he threw it in fire to be refined, uh, to drown away the impurities, to, to just burn away all the junk, all the dross. And it results in this 
some silver platter that we have in our home. And many of you have silver items in your house and jewelry. But this morning, I want us to understand and dive into the principle that we could have never had the silver platter. You could have never had anything in your house that's made of silver, something that maybe you cherish, if it had not been put in the fire, if it had not been refined. And that's kind of where we're going this morning. And as I share with you this morning, um, I want to share with you just a little bit of my story, because I know you guys all have stories of your own. And we're going to talk about this refining fire. And really, what does it mean? What's, what's the purpose behind that? What, what, what is this all about, God? The past eight months of my life have been what I would consider a fiery trial. Actually, just kind of a very difficult period. Um, so I'm just going to share that story with you and show you kind of how God taught me, how, what he revealed to me and just showed me in his word through this period. Uh, last July, we received word. Uh, my wife and I were expecting a child. That was the great news for us because we had actually prayed for like three years, God, you know, bless us with a child, bless us with a child. Uh, we actually went through a couple miscarriages during that time. It was very difficult. So to receive the news that we were in fact, uh, in fact expecting a child, was, it was a great joy, great joy to us. Um, so in last July, I was away on a mission trip in Nashville, Tennessee, and Amanda was back home uh, with the family. And I received this call. I get, I get this call from her, and she's basically like, Jason, you need to come home. Uh, I'm, the, the doctor says I've got a blood clot, and that could actually endanger and terminate the pregnancy. And uh, I'm going to have to be on bed rest for a month. Now, that is very difficult for my wife, if you guys know Amanda, because she's always moving and going to and fro. So bed rest in itself was, was a very difficult experience. I, on the other hand, am very busy, and I, I had to kind of step in and really help manage the family. And that, that was... Uh, a trying experience for us as far as um, just making sure the kids got to school, got to where they needed to go and, and everything. And uh, my wife was, was having to be on bed rest. I do want to pause and just say thank you for our faith family who just, just prayed with us during that time, who brought us meals and really just loved on us. And we thank you for that. Um, I wish I could say that our story ends there, but it really only is the beginning. Uh, in December, which is right after that time, God brought us through and was very faithful to see us off of bed rest. The man was fine. The pregnancy was fine, as most of you know. Because we have Karis today. But in December, we went, we went into this period. I get another call here at work. Amanda's like, come home. We've got to go to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and Amanda's actually in preterm labor. Our due date was not until March. Now, this was kind of a big deal to us because we've kind of been there, done that, and got the T-shirt, so to speak. Our middle daughter, Abigail, was born 14 weeks early and weighed just one pound, 15 ounces. And I can recall that time and, and thinking about this as, as I'm on the way to the hospital. I'm just like, God, I, I can't do this again. I, I looked at a man and I said, I cannot do this. I, I can't believe that God's going to let us go through this again. Um, and, and, and we're going to have to see uh, possibly another, another life just touch and go and, and walk through that. Not only share that with you, because it's very selfish on my part to look at the creator of the universe and say, I can't do this. But I'm gut honest, that was my response. And that's something I didn't want to walk through. It was, it was a very difficult period in our life. God saw us through. He was faithful. And uh, we made it through that time. Uh, February, Karis was born. Uh, that was a very exciting time for us. But then it was two weeks later that Amanda's not feeling well, and she's not recovering well after pregnancy. So, you know, several people are just like, well, suck it up. That's how you feel after you have a baby. And so I'm just like, why don't you just go out and cut the grass and make it feel better? But that's not <laughs> – I didn't treat her like that. But <laughs> that is uh, – you know, she's just like, man, I'm just not getting over this. There's something's wrong. So – we take all the family in tow to the ER. I've got Karis in the car seat. We've got kids dragging in, and, and Amanda's feeling bad. And, and so I know the ER is like, what's going on? We spent a whole day of testing. Come to find out Amanda's appendix had ruptured. 
So she required emergency surgery that evening. Uh, that evening, we're sending kids to and fro, just trying to figure out what's going on. Well, the story doesn't exactly end there. Uh, two weeks later, Amanda recovers. We're back in the hospital with Karis for a urinary tract infection, and we spent a whole week uh, just in this hospital. She can administer antibiotics. Amanda is fatigued and sick and at home. And here I am laying in the hospital going, God, why? What is this all about? What is the purpose to this? What am I supposed to be learning? What did I do to deserve this? And now those are questions that we all ask, but they're not necessarily the right questions that we should be asking. It's not really how we should respond. But I'm just being gut honest because I know each one of you are probably asking the same question. Each one of you are facing some difficult trial, some difficult circumstance in your life, and you just want to know, man, what is going on? It was through that period, though, it was through being in the fire that I really just saw our purpose, our purpose in this. And somehow, as we share in the suffering, as we share in suffering, we identify with Christ and we're part of this bigger picture, this grand scheme. We're, we're part of this process. But the problem is a lot of times we focus right here on our circumstances. Instead, we should be focusing on the character of God and who He is. And so we're just blinded by what's going on. But there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger process going on. And that's the process that I want to talk about this morning. Because I know each one of you have your own trials. Students, you may be facing challenges uh, at home. Uh, you may be actually dealing with a divorce with your parents. And you're like, man, what is going on? You know, I, 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 am I at fault here, God? Have I caused this? I mean, what, what's going on? Why, why am I struggling? Why am I going through this? And you're asking yourself these questions like, God, I thought you loved me. I thought, I thought you were faithful. I mean, what's going on? It may be that you're at school. You may be at school or, or college student or professor. You're in a classroom. And that teacher or that professor just ridicules you because you claim to be a Christian. And you may be asking yourself, man, is this really worth it? What's this all about? An adult, we're right there with them. We have our own set of trials, and although they're different, they're really all difficult to us. Adults, you may be saying, God, why are you allowing me to be stuck in this dead-end job? I really deserve something a little bit better than this, don't you think? I mean, I, I work hard, and I, I just want out of here. I'm just miserable. God, don't you know that it's killing me? Some of you may be struggling through infertility. And you're like, God, I thought you loved me. I thought you blessed me. Are you still faithful in this? What's this all about? All of us have faced, are facing, and will continue to face trials for the rest of our life. Make no mistake about it. It doesn't mean they're easy. And I don't, my, I don't make light of anyone's circumstance this morning. I just received word this last week. I had a neighbor uh, who lived next to me in Daphne when I was working the road. I had a canine, so I, I, I had a dog. He had a dog that he was very close with. It was a retriever, I believe. He's always out walking his dog, and uh, that was just kind of like his best friend. It's a single man that lived on his own. He works about 60 to 80 hours a week. Come in, I always see him with his dog. We talk, and uh, I give him some treats, and we talk about our dogs and, and other things like that. He just received word that his dog has cancer. Now, for some of you, maybe like, man, that's really silly, but... If you think about it from a single man's perspective that lives on his own, that pretty much works all the time, and then here's his companion that gets struck with this deadly disease, it's going to be lonely in his house, and it's difficult. So I share my story, and each one of us have a story. We're facing those difficult trials. We're facing those difficult times. We see in our verse in First Peter that we should not be surprised. Somehow, we're part of this bigger picture, and we shouldn't focus on our circumstances. Now, there's two questions that we usually ask ourselves as soon as we hit that wall, as soon as times get tough. Those two questions are, one, how do we respond? 
We simply say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do now that I've lost my job? What am I supposed to do with this? Now that I'm, I'm handed this card, what, what, what do you want me to do? You say, you allowed it to happen, now what am I supposed to do about it? Second is, what is the purpose? So how do we respond? What is the purpose? God, why is this happening to me? The two questions that we really want to know when we lose a job, or maybe when a spouse walks in and says, I don't love you anymore. I want a divorce. Like, how am I supposed to respond to that? God, what is the purpose in that? Or maybe you lose someone that's close to you, very unexpectedly, and you say, God, how do I respond? What is the purpose? We really want to know, what am I supposed to do, and what, it's all, what is it all about? And this morning, for the sake of time, I'm only going to focus on the second question, what is the purpose? We're going to devote all of our attention there. Now, I realize that we have some OCD people in the room, and you're freaking out because you're just like, he's not answering the first question. I'm going to answer the first question very quickly, very briefly, all right, just so that we can all, can we, we can all get on the same page and move on to what is our purpose. Now, simply as this. As we see our verse in 1 Peter, how do we respond? We're not surprised and we rejoice. Simple as that. We're not surprised. We knew that we would suffer, Christ suffered. And somehow in a crazy way we're supposed to rejoice. And I know that doesn't make sense right now, but as soon as we understand our purpose, it will begin to help us understand the how. But I want to point you to a great resource that's going to help you answer the question how. And I challenge you to go there this week. I want you to go to www.marshillchurch.org. www m-a-r-s-h-i-l-l-c-h-u-r-c-h dot o-r-g all right now i want you to go there simply because this because as i was studying to speak on trials uh, and really speak from my heart after out of what i've experienced after the past eight months and what god has shown me i, I stumbled across this resource uh, it's a podcast by pastor mark driscoll and as i listened to this resource i was like wow he's gonna do he does a much better job than I could possibly even imagine as far as explaining how we should respond rejoicefully, how we should respond when these things happen to us. So I challenge you to go there. I want you to find Browse Media on their website, click Sermons, and click Trial. He's in the middle of a 28-week sermon series breaking down the books of First and Second Peter, and I think he does an excellent job of, being, of giving a biblical and applicable perspective right from the Bible, not of any opinion of his own, on how we should respond to trials. And there's three sermons that I found that were very, very beneficial. And I want you to write these down. Uh, the first is suffering to worship, suffering to serve, and suffering to bless. Suffering to worship, suffering to serve, and suffering to bless. Now these are three, just three out of the 28-week series that will really actually help you answer the question of how. But this morning, I'm a big picture guy. I like to focus on the why. It's usually that's the question that I ask, is the why. God, what is the purpose? What is taking place? Why am I going through this? Now, some of us in the room have already tried to answer the why on our own. You fill in the blank. God doesn't love me because. God, I deserve this because of all these things I've done in my past. God, you've abandoned me to figure this out on my own. Now, those may be answers that you have placed, or you may have had a totally different answer about, God, why am I going through this? And the thing is, you're questioning God's character because you're too focused on your circumstances. You may have come up with a different question to the why, but if it's not a biblical answer, if you don't view it from a biblical perspective, it will never give you peace, it will never give you understanding, and it will never give you wisdom. Now, we need to understand this one thing because our answer is rooted in the very character of God, not in our circumstances. We need to understand that in God's character, he pulls us out of the, fly, excuse me, out of the flames and he puts us into the fire. Now you think that doesn't make any sense. 
It makes perfect sense. God redeems us from the flames, and he puts us into his refining fire. And he's got a purpose behind that. And that's what we're going to really dive into this morning because we all face trials, but if we understand this one thing, understanding our purpose changes our perspective. So if you want to just write that down, understanding our purpose changes our perspective because when we understand what our purpose is, it changes totally how we respond. It changes totally how we see. We don't see the circumstances. We see the big picture. And as we've already stated, we've kind of identified the problem. The problem is that we put our faith in circumstances and not in the character of God. And so this morning, I'm simply asking you, your faith should not be based on your circumstances. Your faith should be based on God's character. Now, what do I mean by that? Simply this. Let me give you a couple examples. I'm doing pretty good at work. Everything's rocking along. I get a raise. God is good, right? God is good. He's blessed me. It's awesome, right? So we can see we have a child. That means God is faithful. And he saw it all the way, full term, nine months, boom. God is faithful. We have a child, Right? Okay, well, what happens? God, I just lost my job. How do you expect me to pay my bills? I got a family to feed. Are you, are you good? I thought you loved me. What about if you conceive and, and somewhere along the way you miscarry? God, are you, God, are you faithful? God, are you, what's this all about? And it's simply this, that when we look at focus, focus on our circumstances, we fail to see that God is good, that God is holy, that God is perfect. That God is just all the time. His character never changes, although our circumstances may. And so if your faith is only based in the gift and not the giver, you're totally missing the big picture. You're totally missing of who God is, who is in your life, and what purpose he has for you. Understanding our purpose in the fire is rooted in God's character, not in the circumstances of the flame. Because as we said, understanding our purpose changes our perspective. Now, what does that have to do with the character of God? If our answer is rooted in the character of God, what do we see about God, this fiery fiery element? What do we see about this God that would, would redeem us from the flames only to refine us, refine us in the fire? Well, the first thing that we see about God is that he's a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy 4.24, it says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now, God's statement about this is after he's basically briefed the Israelites on how they should not worship idol, idols. Excuse me. It says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. In Isaiah 33, 14, we see this. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can dwell with a consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with a consuming fire? And the answer to that is none of us can. Sinful man cannot dwell in the presence of the characteristics of a consuming fire who is holy, who is perfect, who is just. And... Uh, to help explain this a little further, what we see in Exodus 32, we see this crazy story. Um, basically, Israel, like Moses is up on the mountain, and he's kind of communing and fellowshipping with God. And basically, the Israelites are kind of kicking back around and saying, Moses has kind of been gone a while. I'm not sure if he's coming back anytime soon. Aaron, can you hook us up with this, um, this idol that we can worship? And Aaron's like, well, yeah, I guess I can. Give me all your jewelry. So he takes all the jewelry. Aaron's excuse is, I threw the jewelry into the fire, I threw, all the, I threw all the gold into the fire, and out comes this golden calf. So we decided we were going to worship it. All right, as crazy as that sounds, that's exactly what they did. God up on the mountain with Moses looks down and says, Moses, that's it. I'm about to go UFC on these guys. Chuck Liddell doesn't have anything on me. I'm straight taking out Israel. I will fulfill my promises through you. I'm wiping them out. They're stiff-necked. They're stubborn. My anger is burning hot against them. I'm going to consume them. 
Moses says, hold up, hold up, hold up, God. If you'll remember, your promise was to Abraham and his descendants that you would make a great nation. You would bring us into the land and we would inhabit it. Father, you, you said you would bless us. All right, God, don't wipe them out strictly for your renown, for your glory, because you said this was your promise and you're faithful to hold on to your word. And Moses goes down into the camp. God holds back. Moses goes down into the camp and he basically says this. Hey, who's on God's side? You? You on God's side? You on God's side? Come here. Put your sword on. I want you to go to and fro throughout the camp. I want you to kill your brother. I want you to kill your neighbor. I want you to kill your companion. Why? Because God is very serious about being holy. God is very serious about being just. And a perfect God cannot be in the presence of sinful man. Even after this, after Israel's kind of back on course, God, as they're about to go into the land of Canaan, he says this. And uh, if you'll check it out in Exodus 32, he's basically like, hey, I'm going to send you into the habit, into this land that I promised. But I can't dwell among you. At least I can send you. I'm going to send the angel and I said, to drive out the inhabitants. Why? Because God is serious. God is a consuming fire and can't be in the presence of sinful man. And I just want to say that this morning that some of us need to understand that and hear that clearly. We, as sinful man, are nothing but silver and waste, just the dross, the nastiness, to be thrown in the fire and destroyed. That's all we're good for. So this morning, if you've tried to lay some other foundation in your life outside of Jesus Christ, the only thing that you have promised, the only purpose that you have is to be destroyed. To be destroyed in a consuming fire by a holy God. The good news is, the good news of the gospel is this, that God in his great mercy and love has provided a way for us not to be consumed by the flames, but to be refined in the fire, and that is through Jesus Christ. So obviously, see, the second characteristic is this, that God is a refining fire. There's this element of God that doesn't leave us the way that we are. He begins to refine us, that he works with us. Now you're saying, okay, hold up. So I thought that this is the way this whole Christianity thing works. I thought that basically I become a Christian by putting my faith in Christ and receiving God's grace, and that everything goes pretty much good from there, right? My life should be perfect. I should see rainbows and tiptoe through the tulips. Everything should be great. Nothing should go wrong. Wrong. That is not, not how God has purposed our life. And if you have believed that and bought that lie from somewhere down the path, I apologize because that is flat out a lie. In fact, we see in First Peter we should not be surprised. You do not be surprised at the fiery trials as they come upon you so to test you as though something strange is happening to you. It's not like it just came out of nowhere. Christ himself gave us a good heads up to, hey, take up your cross daily if you want to follow me. Hey, you're going you're to have to hate your brother and your mother and your father and your sister, and you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to lay down everything. Count the cost. No man builds a tower without first counting the cost and gets halfway through with it to abandon it. No. I want everything. And you're going to suffer not all about so god redeems us only to put us in the fire why because that's really the question that we wrestle with that's the question that is tough for us to answer that is what we struggle with is god what is our purpose in malachi 3 uh, verse 2 through 3 we see this who can endure the day of his coming who can stand when he appears for he's like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver he will purify the levites and refine them like gold and silver 
Now, you guys have, may have heard the story. In fact, a couple people have emailed, el- emailed me this illustration to the church. You've heard the story about the woman who basically was in Sunday school class that came upon this verse. Excuse me. And she says, what does this have to do with the character of God? How can a God, a loving God, allow us to go through these difficult circumstances to refine us? How can that happen? And so she makes an appointment to go see a silversmith. She's thinking, well, maybe if I watch a silversmith work, I can understand a little bit more about God's character and why he would redeem us only to refine us with fire. He basically pulls us out of the flames and other destruction to refine us with fire. So she watches the silversmith as he wields this piece of metal, this just scrap of gnarly, unrefined silver. He places it into the fire, and as he does so, he looks at her and he says this. He says, I have to place this in the hottest portion of the flame to burn away all impurities. And she's like, well, do you have to hold it there the whole time, or can you just suspend it from from some aperture or something like that? And he's like, no, I have to keep my eye on it the whole time that it's in the flame. If I leave it there a second longer, it will be burned. It will be utterly destroyed and consumed. The woman asks the man, well, how do you know when it's finished? He said, oh, that's easy. That's because I can see my image in it. And it's so much like our lives, church. God sees us. We're this nasty scrap of unrefined silver worth nothing but destruction. God in his love and his mercy has, has provided a way through Jesus Christ to remove us from those flames. But he loves us enough that he doesn't leave us like this nasty unrefined piece of silver. Instead, he allows us to go through difficult circumstances. Why? So that all the impurities, our selfishness, our pride, our lust, everything can be burned away. So we can become more like his son, Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just stop there because that's just the process. That's not necessarily the purpose. That's not necessarily the purpose. And I say that because we all want to know, well, what is the purpose? What is the answer to our suffering? What is the answer to our trials? Why does God allow this to happen? Our purpose in the fire is to burn. Our purpose in the fire is to burn. Now, I know you're questioning that and saying, what in the world does that mean? It shocked me the first time that I realized it, and God really, really revealed that to me. And um, the way that this came about is I'm laying in the hospital room on one of those really awesome, comfortable rollout beds right next to Karis' bed. And I obviously can't sleep, and I'm like, ah, man is at home sick. I'm here listening to um, John Piper on my iPod. I listen to a sermon by him on prayer. And I'm really just pouring my heart out, God, and I'm like, God, you know, just, just what is going on? Why, why is this taking place? And it was in that moment, on a sermon on prayer, that Reverend Piper reads this verse. And this verse brought me so much peace, so much excitement, so much revelation to really who God is. I'm going to read it to you. Zechariah 13, 9. I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver. And test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them, and I will say, They are my people, and they will say, The Lord is my God. Now, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That's great. You're thinking, I don't, I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. Check this out. I realize that this verse in context holds great, ten, great uh, end-time significance, but I want us to see the principle God redeems, he saves a third, a remnant, for one sole purpose, to put them back into the fire. Why? What is the result? They will call upon my name and I will answer them. 
I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. What happens when we are placed in those difficult circumstances? What happens when we face trial? What happens when we uh, suffer? You know what happens? Something, something just miraculous happens. Suddenly we become less selfish. We become less prideful and our priorities are real, realigned. That's just the process. The purpose is this. We burn for his glory, for his name, for his renown. It has nothing to necessarily do with us. It has everything to do with him to bring glory and honor to the silversmith who lovingly refines us in the fire so that we can be more like his son. Why? So that he can receive glory. He can receive glory. God, why am I laying in this hospital bed? And my daughter's sick and my wife is at home. So I can receive glory. That's God. Not me. Nothing to do with me. This is hammered, this is hammered home uh, further in this verse in 1 Peter. And I want you to see this. There's no slide for this. I want you to go straight to the word and look at it. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. I'll give you time to get there. It says this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. May be found to result in praise and glory and honor. Church, the process is that we're refined. The process is that we are placed into the fire. The process is that we lose our impurities and our selfishness and all the desires of the flesh. But the purpose, the purpose for us being refined is simply this, that he would receive praise, that he would receive glory, that he would receive honor. The process that are, is that our faith is tested. And I don't make light of that. I know every circumstance in this room is different. Every circumstance in this room is difficult. It's painful. We grieve. We hurt. You may not even want to pray. You lose strength. You feel weak. And you're beat down by your circumstances. But our circumstances are not where our faith is. It's in the very character of the loving God who has redeemed us. And who sanctified us in the fire by allowing difficult circumstances to take place in our life. For what? So that he received praise and honor and glory. It's all about him, and it's all about his loving, perfect character. That's difficult truth to hold on to, church, because we want to make it about ourselves. We want to say, well, that's not fair. Well, in all fairness, we don't deserve anything except hell. In all fairness, that's all we deserve. But God, in his mercy and his love, his mercy and his love has given us a way out of the flames of Jesus Christ so that we can become more like his son through the fire. And so that we can give him praise and honor and glory. I want to read you another verse out of 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. His Spirit is transforming us, is actively in work in our life, and changing us from one degree of glory to another. And I want us to look back at our first verse that we started with, our key verse in Peter. That we, are see, that we are to rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. 
Not rejoice and be glad when we come out of the trial. Not to rejoice and be glad when our circumstances are over. But we rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. That holds significance not just in when Christ returns to take His bride home. That holds significance now. It's for His glory. Our purpose is to burn for His glory. Now, the moment you recognize that Christ said, I did and I do, and you respond to His grace through faith, there's this beautiful union of heart and soul that can never be separated. The two have become one. You are no longer your own, and I want you to hear that. You are no longer your own. You're a bride preparing to be presented pure and holy to your husband and a vessel being fashioned for his glory. If we look in Proverbs 25, verse 4, it says, Take away the dross from the silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. As I said before, the dross is just the impurities that are being burned away. It's just a waste material. What happens is God allows that waste to be burned away. Our priorities are realigned in our difficult circumstances, our trial when we lose a job, when we get news that we have cancer, when a loved one dies unexpectedly. When those things happen, I want you to hear this. God does not cause those to happen. He's not an angry God with a magnifying glass and burning us as though we're ants. That's not who God is. God is allowing these things to happen. And through those difficult circumstances, he's continuing a good work in us and allowing us to become more like him. Remember, our purpose changes our perspective. Because if we truly understand that our purpose is to burn and that everything we face in life, whether good, whether bad, whether trials, whether suffering, whether sunny days, it has one purpose. That's a purpose for his praise. It's for his honor. It's for his glory. That purpose will change our perspective. That purpose changes the how, but it helps us deal with the why, to understand that God is sovereign. That he's on the throne and he's in control. Our life should result in praise, honor, and glory. Now, let me ask you this, church. Can you imagine what that looks like? Can you imagine what that looks like if the people of God responded to our trials and sufferings as people of God? Instead of being angry about our situation and complaining, instead... Instead, we just praise God for the job that we may have. If you're angry because you're stuck there, just praise God for the job that you have. Maybe your spouse, heaven forbid, does come in and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't love you. Maybe instead of letting that seed of bitterness and hate take root in your heart, affecting your relationship, you instead, although painful, choose not to slander. You choose not to hate. What if you receive the news that you do have cancer? As painful as that is, what if you chose not to worry, not to fret, but to burn? And just let God be glorified in your situation. What if we did that just for one week, church? What if we stopped complaining in our current situation and we allow God to be seen? What if people asked us, how do you do that? How are you dealing with losing your job and can't pay your bills? How are you dealing with the news that you have cancer? How are you dealing with that loss? And we simply say because of his grace and for his glory. It's because of his grace and it's for his glory. Your choice to burn will not make things easier. I promise you that. Our choice to allow God to be glorified in our situation will not make things easier. Do not hear that this morning. Our choice to burn simply brings him praise, honor, and glory. Because when I receive this revelation in the hospital, and I'm like, God, you're so right. You are so right. This is not about me. 
This is not about how I feel, although God still (laughs) gives us those emotions. But God, I'm not to question you as though you're punishing me. Because our trials this morning I'm talking about are something that just happens, something beyond our control, not something that we've done because of a consequence of, of, of our bad choices. There's things that just happen. We live in a fallen world. Things happen. Life happens. And I'm laying there and I get that revelation that, you know what, God, this is not about me. This is about you. Just help me glorify you in this. Now, I can still remember praying for strength just to get up out of bed. I can still remember my wife being sick. I can still remember sitting in that hospital. It didn't automatically get better. Instead, God was giving me the strength to persevere through this trial, through this suffering, for one purpose, and that was for his glory. It's not about the outcome. Although it worked out in our favor and we have a beautiful little girl, we rejoice in that. It's not about the outcome. It's not about the blessing that God bestowed upon our life. It's the fact that he saw us through. He saw us through that trial. He saw us through that circumstances. And although prior to that we experienced miscarriage, uh, ectopic pregnancy, he was still good. He was still faithful. He is still holy. He is still perfect and always will be despite our circumstances. Because that's who he is. Now, my choice to burn doesn't compare with maybe yours and your situation. And it definitely doesn't compare to a story that I heard this past weekend at a marriage conference. That many of you were there for the Weekend Remember conference. And two of the main speakers shared with us their story. And they shared with a story um, that is painful. Uh, see, they lost their son at five and a half years old. They lost him. And I listened to the pain in their mother's voice. And I was just like, God, man, man couldn't do that i could not do that oh i just listening to that mother talk about her son but then she said these words that i will never forget she said this i will never get over kyle being dead but i'm a better person because of it wow church that's great faith that is great faith and it's not based on circumstances she could have easily thrown in the towel and said that's it God, you took my child. I'm going to be angry and I'm going to be bitter at you forever because you did that. God's simply saying, no. Yes, this happened, but I love you. I will see you through. I have not left you. I'm here for you. Let's walk through this together. And I promise you on the backside, you'll be better. And I promise you on the backside, I'll receive glory. I can't imagine what it's like losing a child. I can't. Um, but I know that we all face circumstances that we feel are just equally as great. That we, we just, it burdens us. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to feel pain. It's okay to wrestle with those emotions. My simple question this morning is despite those emotions, is when you're in the fire, will you choose to burn? choose to burn for his glory will you choose to burn for his renown it's a difficult truth but it is true i challenge you to do that this morning don't run from your circumstances don't get angry or doubt god but simply do this just trust his character circumstances will change god will not and just because you're going through something that's difficult does not mean that he does not love you i want to leave you with this statement Be a blessing to those around you that see your suffering. 
And through your suffering, let them see your Savior. Read that again. Be a blessing to those around you that see your suffering. And through your suffering, let them see your Savior. Because our simple purpose when we're in the fire is to burn. To burn. Now, if you will just bow your heads. I want to leave you with a couple thoughts in reference to this. If our true purpose when we're in the fire is to burn and we've, we've gone through those two elements of God where he's a consuming fire and a refiner's fire, I'm going to ask you the simple question, which fire are you in? Are you in the refining fire where you know that your foundation is built on Jesus Christ and although you will experience testing and trial and suffering, that those things that are selfishness, that are prideful, that will be burned away, your faith is tested, but you know your hope is secure, and that rests on Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture that is, that God didn't leave us to be destroyed because He's holy. Instead, He provides a way through His Son that we can fellowship and be with Him. My challenge to you this morning is if you're in the refining fire and you're going through a lot of pain and difficulties, is to simply just burn. Just allow His glory to be seen. That through your suffering, people see that and they ask you why. And you say, it's by His grace that I can make it and it's for His glory. You don't have to fake that. That's not just some churchy word. That's simply a truth and in, in, truth in practice to say, yes, I hurt. Yes, I'm grieving. Yes, it is painful. But God is still good. God is still faithful. You're in the refining fire this morning, you may need some prayer, and I'm going to address that here in a, in a second. But first, I want to address those that find yourself in the consuming fire, that you have set out to lay a foundation other than Christ in your life, and you know that your life is not built on that solid rock, and instead you just show up from time to time in church. You may show up and think, well, that's just good enough. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not good enough. Our good enough is never good enough. And you may be facing this, this circumstance where you're just faking it. Man, you know, you know who God is, but you do not choose to follow Him in faith. Instead, you just have this simple belief that, yeah, yeah, I know God exists. My question to you this morning is, if you believe to the point where you're willing to put your whole life on the gospel and say, that's it. Jesus Christ is my Lord, and I know that if I die, then I'll be with Him. I won't be consumed by His holiness knowing that I can't stand bearing my sin myself in His presence. So this morning I ask you, if you're in the consuming fire, I ask you to do this one thing, and it has nothing to do with God seeing you as righteous. You are righteous simply by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and confessing Him as your Lord and Savior. But I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you right where you're at, if you know, if you know, faking it and I will be consumed by God's holiness because he's perfect and his mercy has provided a way that you would be seen in the righteousness of Christ and not in your sin and shame I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you're at and run to the cross run to the cross on each side of this room there's people there to meet you and to see you through to pray with you to encourage you the reality is everyone in this room has faced the consuming fire at some point in time. We were all destined for hell outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of that. Just be honest about it. Just be honest about where you're at. And if you need prayer to accept Christ as your Savior this morning, I just ask you to simply go up to the cross on the left or right side of the room. 
Lord Jesus, I pray that if anyone in this room, God, needs to know you as Savior, God, that they do that right now, whether they move to the cross or not. Lord Jesus, God, every knee will bow and give you glory. God, I pray that that would be uh, those that have persevered by your strength to the refining fire and that those would not face your consuming wrath, Lord, because we decide to carry our sin for ourselves. Lord, I pray that decision is made now. Now, for those of us that are finding ourselves in the refining fire and we're going through difficult circumstances and trials, some of you guys are just going to need some prayer through that. You're going to need some people to partner with you, and I'm just going to ask you, if that is you, and you're facing something that's very difficult, you have people that will pray with you on each side of the room, I just ask you to simply get up, go there and say, man, this is my need. This is where I'm hurting. This is where I'm grieving. And I really want to bring glory to God through this, but I don't know how. It's tough. And we just want to pray with you. I'm just going to give you time to do that. to the cross, I want to challenge you to do one more thing, understanding that our purpose is to burn and to bring in praise and honor and glory. As you sit in your seat right now, I want you to think about that thing that you're going through, maybe that thing you're hanging on to. I want you to pray in your heart right now and just say, God, I thank you for the circumstance. It's going to be tough. But right now in your heart, I want to say, I want you to thank God and praise Him for what He's allowing you to go through. differently than we normally do. Um, I'm going to pray, and then there are those that are still dealing, or allowing God to deal with them. Um, I'm going to ask you to just slide out very quietly. Adam and the band will just pray quietly, and as I pray to adjourn us, uh, I just pray that you just slide out quietly, be respectful, and you just need to stay in just that moment of worship as the band plays quietly. Just stay. If you need to pick up your kids or whatever, go. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, God, and we praise you, God. Father, we pray that everything we've purposed here to do would be for your praise, for your renown, for your glory, for your honor, God. Father, we thank you that, God, you would see us worthy to even suffer for your name's sake, God, and we pray that you would help us do that, that, God, you would help us bring glory in our, in our difficulties, God, because it hurts, but you know that more than anybody else in this room, as you bore our sin and shame on a cross. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're faithful that you're good despite our circumstances, that our hope lies in the very character of who you are. And to God, I just pray that you would allow us to burn. You would allow us to just become less like ourselves and more like you. Jesus, we exalt your name.